There. There we go. <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to the jar. I just wanted uh, to begin this morning uh, by saying um, how great it is to be your pastor. Uh, I was thinking about this week. Uh, not only do I love you guys, but I love uh, the way that so many of you give of your time and energy uh, to see God move in this place, and uh, I'm so grateful for that. And one of the ways that God really is moving, I believe right now, is uh, through helping us to engage in the Bible, to connect with the Bible a little bit more, and uh, to grow in that way. And one of the practical ways that we're doing that in this series uh, of the 40 days in the Bible is by having a little memory verse each week. And so uh, a couple weeks ago, we got a uh, little keychain that looks like that. And uh, each week, we've tried to give you a simple Bible verse uh, to try to remember for the week. And so if you need a keychain or you need a Bible verse, maybe you weren't here last week or the week before, if you go to the small groups table over here to my right, you can uh, pick one of those up and uh, get connected. Well, this week, our uh, little verse that we received uh, when you walked in today uh, comes from James chapter 1. And uh, again, if you need one of those, you can go to the table. And let's go ahead and let's read this out loud together. Do not merely listen. Okay, that means like all of us. There we go. Let's try that again. One, two, three. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. And today we want to continue in our series. um, And I want us to look at a theme of how the Bible changes us. And that's what we want to talk about today. How does the Bible uh, change us? Now, this book right here is like no other book. Um, It's the only book that has the term holy before it. It's kind of like, you know, we don't see Gulliver's Travel. Like it doesn't say holy Gulliver's Travel. Because Gulliver's Travel, although it's a great book, it's not holy. But this is the Holy Bible because there's something unique about it that's different than any other book that you read. Now, there are a lot of good books uh, in our world. There are a lot of great books. I like to read many uh, books and have a big library that I read stuff. But this book is unlike any other book because it has the power to change your life. It has supernatural power inside it that when you open it up and you read it and it gets in you, it brings power into your life. And this book is unlike any other. And the reason that it has power within us is because God's Word says it changes us and it can do it in multiple different ways. Hebrews 4, chapter 12, verse, uh, or chapter 4, verse 12 says this, um, and let's read this first sentence together. The Word of God is living and active. Just stop right there. So the Word of God is living and active. The word living there uh, comes from a Greek word, zao, and it's where we get words like zoo or zoology or we um, will name daughters, Sometimes Zoe, the, the 
person who did Operation Christmas Child and was speaking. Their, their daughter's named Zoe, and what that Greek word means is living. And so this book means that it comes to life. It's living. It's alive. It's the Word of God. It's not just words on a page that you read, but as we read them, there is power that comes from it. Also, the Word says there that it should be active. That it is an active word. Not only living, but active. The Greek word there is the word uh, energos. Energos. Which means energy. So, it gives us energy. It gives us power. So it's alive and active. Now, this verse goes on to say um, that it is uh, not only living and active, but it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So what's he saying with this? Well, what he's saying here is that God's Word is as sharp as any skilled surgeon's scalpel. The Word of God has the ability to cut right to the heart of the issue. It has the ability to point you in the right direction when you're going the wrong direction. It has the ability to correct your life. Now the question is, what do I need to change in my life? It's a question I've been asking myself all week. What do I need to change in my life? Well, what I need to change and what you need to change is exactly the same thing. And you know what it is? It's change. (laughs) We all need change in our life. It's the hardest thing to do, and yet it's the thing that creates the most activity and energy when we allow things to be changed through God's Word. Now, There are things, folks, in my life that I don't like. There are things in my life that I don't want. There are things in my life that I've tried to change before and things just didn't change. Maybe you've been there before. There's something in your life you want to change. You worked really hard. You tried the best that you could to make it different. And no matter how hard you tried, guess what? It doesn't change. Well, the Bible says that the Word of God can change the things in your life that you can't change on your own. In other words, the things that you don't have power to change, it says that as we allow God's words to enter in us, it gives us the power to change those things. D.L. Moody, who was a a famous uh, pastor in Chicago a hundred years ago, uh, gave this quote, and this is what he said. The Bible was not given to increase our knowledge... The Bible was given to what? What's the last three words? Change our lives. You see, this book is not to just get a whole bunch of knowledge so that you get smarter on what this book says. It's to get the things from this book into you. That it changes you and makes you new. So for the rest of our time, simply what I want us to look at are five things that uh, I believe we learn from the Bible of how it can change us, how the Bible changes us. The first way that God's Word changes me is it recreates my life. It recreates my life. Now, what does that mean? Well, it means that when my life is falling apart, when my life is really messy, 
When my wife feels like I'm at the end of my rope, that's when God jumps in and He recreates your life. He gives you a whole new life. He gives you a brand new start. He lets you begin again. The Bible calls this being born again. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that you go back into you know, the birth canal and you go back into your mom's stomach. Okay? We're not talking about that kind of physically being born again. We're talking about spiritually being made anew. And this simply means that you get a whole new life. You get a fresh start. You get a, uh, a new leaf. You ever heard that phrase before? Uh, turn over a new leaf? Well, that's stupid. I don't want to turn over a new leaf. I want a new leaf. You know what I mean? And that's what you get with Scripture. You get a new leaf. You get a new life. I just don't want to turn it over. I want something brand spanking new. The Bible says this in James chapter 1. It says, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth. Again, that's the spiritual birth, and it comes through the word of truth, through God's Bible. Now, next week we're having a baptism class. And some of you are sitting there, and uh, you thought about it maybe, um, weren't too sure about it, but considered it. And I just want to tell you, take the plunge. Because it is the time in which you finally say, I want God to do a recreation in my life. Don't keep putting it off. Don't wait. There is a, no line in the sand that says, oh, wow, you know, you've got to get it all together first. And then you can jump into the water. It says just come as you are and take the plunge. And so for some of you, you could have your life recreated before Thanksgiving, so that when Thanksgiving comes, you're truly thankful for something. You're thankful that God recreated your life. Now, you know, I was thinking about it this week. Without the Bible, without God's Word, we would not know anything about Jesus and the fact that He went to the cross. Because it comes from here. We wouldn't know how to trust Him. We wouldn't know how to love Him. We wouldn't know how to connect with Him. Without the Word of God, you would not know about heaven. That you actually have a final destination, a home. Because there's no other book, folks, that uh, has the copyright on heaven. (laughs) No other book can tell you that. Only this book tells you this is how you get to heaven. And friends, without this book, we wouldn't know any of the ways of how we can get to know God better and to connect with Him more. And folks, I want you to know that this Word, God's Word, is not silent. It's not like God's being quiet out there and waiting. He just says that God chooses to reveal Himself to us because He wants us to know Him. God wants you to know Him. He knows everything about you, and He wants you to know Him. And the way you do that is by connecting with the words of this book. So the Bible recreates my life, and then secondly, it does a lot more than that. The second thing it does is it eradicates my guilt. It eradicates my guilt. 
Now, this is a big one. I don't have to have any more guilt in my life. I don't have to go around having regrets in my life. I don't have to go around with a whole bunch of shame in my life. You know, most people, folks, get stuck in memories from their past. And it's like this recording that comes into your head and it goes over and over. And I've found that this recording goes one of two ways. Either one way is somebody hurts you and you resent them. You're bitter towards them. Or the second recording is you hurt somebody else really badly and you feel guilty about it and you've been recording that in your head over and over again. So either the recording is resentment or the recording is guilt. Did you know that God doesn't want you to carry any guilt in your life? He doesn't want you to have a luggage selection, and one of them is called guilt. Did you know that God wants you to actually live a guilt-free type of life so that you become guilt-free? And only God's Word, the Bible, actually can eradicate the guilt as you read it and you understand what God wants to do in your life. You don't understand that, folks, unless you pick this up and you read it. I'll never forget when we first started the jar, a woman came uh, to me and she wanted to meet and we met in my office. And uh, when she walked in, she started telling me her life story and it was really, really sad. A lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of just um, difficult things. And uh, she shared uh, all of the bad mistakes that she had ever made in her life. And she just kind of spilled her guts, and in the midst of this, all of a sudden, she just started weeping uncontrollably, just crying and crying and crying. And in the midst of the crying, I, I just kind of tried to listen to her, and then all of a sudden, I started hearing this phrase again and again and again. I feel so guilty. I feel so guilty. I feel so guilty. And I don't know what it was, but all of a sudden, I sensed that I needed to ask her, did she know what the Bible says about guilt. And so I just asked her, I said, do you know what the Bible says about guilt? And she says, no, I don't. And so I opened up the Bible that was on my desk and I started going through some scriptures, like 1 John 1, 9. It says, if we confess our sins to God, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from what? Wait, 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 what? What again? Wait, no, not every. Every. So every wrong. If you confess, you say you're sorry. He says, I wipe it clean. You see, we believe in a God who has amnesia. So once He wipes the slate clean, it's clean in His mind. You and I pick it back up again and we're like, oh, I feel so bad about X. And God says, I'm not only going to forgive you, I'm going to wipe the slate clean. I'm going to get rid of all of that dirt that's in your life. I call this my Lysol Scripture verse. You know, Lysol disinfects for what? You ever see the bottle? 99.9% of the you know, germs that are there. Don't you want to know what the point one is? I think it's at Derek's house. That's what I think. I think that's where it's located. But the reality is, is that when God gives this 
guilt eradication in a, a can, he says it's 100%. You don't have to carry any guilt. And you're like, no, that's not true. God has to punish me for something. Doesn't God punish me for some of the really nasty in the skeleton, you know, skeletons in the closet kind of stuff? No. And you ask, well, how do I know that? Why doesn't he do that? Because when Jesus died upon the cross, he took on all the punishment. Now, God sometimes disciplines you because he wants you to grow. You do that with your kids all the time. But when it comes to punishing you for the wrong that you've done, he said, I've already taken care of that. You couldn't do it on your own because you had to be perfect as Christ was. But I know still some of you are convinced. You're like, oh, well, maybe God can forgive me from my past, but what about tomorrow? It's all, folks. He went to the cross once and for all, for all the sin, until Jesus returns again. There is no condemnation. Jesus does not condemn you. Jesus is head over heels in love with you. Now, how do I know that? Because I read it in this book. You see, the Bible is the best guilt reliever, shame reducer, and regret eliminator that there is. The Bible is given to cleanse us from our guilt. Let me show you a couple of verses. Here's the first one. Ephesians 5, chapter 25 to 26. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing her uh, through uh, the word. Now the key phrase there is that last little bit, through the word, through the word. Now what's he saying here? Well, he's saying when I take the word of God and I fill my mind with it, it actually washes away the nasty stuff, the dirt within it. And it washes my body. It makes it clean. It cleanses the dirt, the grime, the grit, the junk, the shame, the sin, everything. And why is that? Because the verse right before that, that you saw in your outline, is really, really important. It's in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, and this is what it says. There is now no what? Condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. He says, I don't condemn you. Satan condemns you. God never condemns you. It's not a part of his word. That's why we know it. It makes us clean on the inside. That scripture said uh, in Ephesians, it makes us clean on the inside. There's spiritual cleansing. In fact, Jesus told his 12 uh, followers this. His disciples said this. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Folks, there is cleansing power that comes from God's word. And when I read it, it's like all of a sudden I get guilt that gets removed from me. I don't have to carry it anymore. I don't have to hold on to it. So the Word of God recreates my life. It eradicates my guilt. And the third thing it does is it activates my faith. It actually activates. It gets me going. It activates my faith. What I've found is that when my faith is activated, I have confidence. I have, like, courage to do stuff. But this is what I've found over the 20 years that I have uh, been in pastoral ministry. 
And it's this. That most people aren't confident. Most people aren't courageous. Most people aren't brave. Most people don't take risks. Most people, actually, if you got to the the essence of their heart, what you would find is that they're scared to death. People are afraid to take risks. They're afraid to fail. They're afraid of dying. Most people are filled with all kinds of fears, from arachnophobia to zoogophobia. A through Z, everything in between, people have fears. And they're not walking confidently because they're not people of faith. You see, faith is the word activated. The Bible says this in Romans 10, verse 17. Faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word of Christ. Have you ever had this uh, experience before? Uh, You open up the Bible and you start reading something, and all of a sudden you're like, you have this aha moment. You're like, wow, I think I could actually do this. How many of you remember that child's story of uh, uh, the little engine that could? Remember that one? And it says, I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. Folks, this is the little engine that could book. Anything that you don't think you can do through Christ's power, this book gives you the ability and the power and the supernatural courage to do it. And so... You just have to do it. And all of a sudden, when you read this, and all of a sudden you have that aha moment, you're like, I can do this. I can do this. If you've ever been to a celebration before where uh, you heard Chuck taught or myself taught or maybe you're in a small group and your small group leader uh, shares something from Scripture, and all of a sudden you're like, well, I can do this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do this. You just had your faith activated through Christ. God's Word. You see, there's a difference between the Bible and self-help books. Nothing wrong with self-help books. It's good stuff. They tell you what to do. They can tell you what to say. They can tell you how to act in certain situations. The only problem with self-help books is this, folks. They don't give you the power to do it. They tell you what to do. They just don't give you the power to actually do it. You read a self-help book and it says, if you want to succeed, don't worry. Did you just hear what I said? Great! Whoop-dee-doo! Anybody here, any idiot could say, don't worry and you'll be more successful. Okay? Anybody can say that. Or you hear them sometimes say, um, just get rid of all your bad habits. That's easy, isn't it? Gee whiz, there's no way. You see, the difference between a self-help book and the Bible is the Bible actually gives you power to do it. Not just tell you it. See, that's the problem. Sometimes people think that this is a rule book telling you what not to do. This is so much more than a rule book. You know what it is? It's a book, it's a love letter written to you saying, Hey, I want you to do certain things so that your life is more abundant, that you can live. It can be increased, the power in your life. It increases your faith as it's activated as you read it. 
in January of uh, 2004, we just finished our first year as a church. And uh, we met in homes uh, for that first year. And at the end of the first year, we actually moved upstairs where the kids are. There are three kids hanging up there right now. No, I just wanted to see if I could get you to look. No. You're like, oh, no, they, they are. No. But that's where we met when uh, we moved out of homes. And it was uh, a difficult time because people really enjoyed the home. But when they went to a place that wasn't home, they, they stopped coming. Now, the whole point of a church, folks, is that you get more people to come. Like, retention is a really good thing. And all of a sudden, we went from 25 people to 12 people. And it just killed me. Because I thought it was all my fault. Even though I was working hard, I was meeting people, I was doing all the things that I could possibly do, it just wasn't working. And I started getting discouraged, and I started getting depressed. And my depression just kept going deeper and deeper. And it was like... There was this cloud that was over my head. And I didn't know how to get out of it. Have you ever been there before? You get to that point where it's so heavy, you can't fix it. Sometimes when we get to that point, we say, I'm going through hell right now. That's what my life was like in those first three months of 2004. It was like hell every day. Just like, oh, God, what am I doing? Now, guess what the key is when you're going through hell? Keep going. Because you don't want to stay there, do you? You don't want to, like, pull up and park and camp out. Hey, this is hell. Isn't this great? No. You want to keep on Moving to get out of there. And I remember during that time, my keep moving prayer, it was simply this. God, just help me through this day. Not tomorrow, not next week. Just help me through this day. And you know, during those three months of depression, of going through hell, I was forced to read this book. And I would open it up and I would read it. And I would get a little bit more uh, encouraged, but then by the end of the day I'd get depressed again. And so I'd have to open it back up and I just kept reading it and reading it and reading it. And I found myself, as I read it more, all of a sudden I started gaining a little bit of strength. I got a little bit more confidence. I get a little bit of swing in my step, you know. And all of a sudden it was like, what? I, I think I can. Wait, wait, wait. I, I know I can. Not in my own power, not in my own energy, but if God would just stay with me, God, just stay with me, help me through this day, and I would read things, and all of a sudden, I started being able to say, I can do this. And I'll never forget a day in March. Uh, it was probably the turning point for me and for the jar. And it was a day in which I started reading about a character by the name of Joshua, who's in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible. He was the successor 
to a guy by the name of Moses. Now, everybody knows Moses, right? I mean, Moses, the guy who, uh, you know, went up against Pharaoh and uh, said, let my people go. And, and this president, really, of the world lets this little uh, shepherd guy take a million people who were slaves out of his country. And if you remember, Moses was the guy when he came to the Red Sea and uh, the Egyptians were coming right on his heels, that he was like, God, and he put his stick in, and all of a sudden the stick hit the water, and God opened up the Red Sea, and all million of them went across. And then when Pharaoh and all of his followers tried to do it, it washed them out, it drowned them. We know about Moses. Moses is great. Moses is cool. But when Moses died, Joshua had to take it over. And the first thing that God told Joshua to do is to actually go to a land that he did not know, the promised land, and to be able to take those individuals, those million people, who've been complaining for 40 years, and now it might be 2 million, and to take them to that point. Now, if you know anything about battles, this is the key. If you know the land, you can win the battle. If you don't know the land, very rarely do people win those battles. And the thing is, this promised land, everybody knew the land. They knew where... You know, the high points were, and the mountains, and the valleys. They knew when they could take them out. But Joshua was going in there. He didn't know anything about this land. And I'm sure Joshua, during this battle, was saying to himself, I can't do this. Me? I'm not Moses. Bring Moses back. I have no ability. This task is too big. This dream is too big. This vision is too big. This financial bill is too big. This uh, goal is too big. I can't do this. I am too inadequate, God. And Joshua goes on and on and on, and he gives this whole lengthy list of excuses. And as I'm reading all of this, then I came to the power that only comes from God's Word. When God turns and He says to Joshua these words, He says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. When I read that, it was like that promise came out of God's Word into my life. And all of a sudden I was like, He's with me. I can be strong. I can be courageous. I don't have to just settle. I don't have to get overwhelmed because He's with me. I don't have to be afraid. And I remember in March of 2004 that we did this real big thing. We said we're, we're going to take, we're going to like go all in. We took all of our money and we rented out uh, a movie theater and the Passion of the Christ was being shown then. And we took 290 people and they came to that theater. And then we went back to a talk uh, session at the Children's Museum and 100 people came there and we had some uh, pizza and we watched their kids and the next week all of a sudden it was like we are headed towards the promised land. But it would have never happened, folks, if I wasn't digging in to God's Word. The Word of God, 
When it's activated in your life, folks, it brings faith. Here's the fourth thing that God changes my life with. It elevates my mood. This is a big one. It elevates my mood. Some of you this morning, you need a mood elevator. Because where you're at right now is nasty. And you're down. And you came in fighting and yelling. And your mood is like down in the dumps. You're like in the LL, lower level. And you're like, how am I going to get my mood changed? Maybe you're grumpy. Maybe you feel sad. Maybe you feel like nobody cares about you. You're having a pity party, party and you invited yourself, just a group of one, you know. And folks, whenever you get discouraged, you don't need to go get a coffee break. You need a word break. You need to open up the word and allow it to speak into your life. God gave us the Bible, folks, to encourage us, to give us a mood elevator. That's why the Bible, when you open it, all of a sudden it elevates and it goes up. Because we want to hear it. Now you might be asking, how do you know that? Well, if you would look with me at Romans chapter uh, 15, verse 4. This is what it says. Everything that was written in the past, he's talking about the Bible here, everything that was written in the past, was written to teach us so that through endurance, the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have hope. Now what I'd like you to do is circle four words, because you're going to need these four words this week in that verse. Just one verse. The first thing is everything. Circle the word everything. The second word is encouragement. Circle the word encouragement. The next is Scriptures. Circle the word Scriptures. And the fourth one is hope. Circle the word hope. Now, when this scripture says everything, does it mean everything? You know, like people say everything. Or I love you always. You know? No, you don't. Everything. Does it mean everything? It means everything. Yes. Everything that was written in this book was meant to encourage you. It is to be a mood elevator. Even in the tough parts of this book, they ultimately encourage you to go on the right path. So the next time you get discouraged, the next time that you feel fatigued, the next time that you don't feel like you have the energy to make it, why don't you come home and instead of turning on the television, you actually open this up. I like television. I like to watch it. I'll probably watch the Colts after life course today. But when I woke up this morning, folks, what I needed was some encouragement. And so I opened this up and I didn't do anything else. And some of you need to do that. Instead of going home and turning on Dr. Phil, you should go home and turn on Dr. Luke. See, there's a guy in this book. His name's Luke. He was actually a doctor. He was a follower of Jesus. He was like really, really close to him. I like Dr. Phil. He gives some good advice sometimes. But he wasn't close to Jesus when Jesus was teaching everything. So you might want to have Dr. Luke look at what's going on. And see which of the two provide more. Why? 
Because this book, folks, I'm just telling you, it has the power to change your life. It has the power to make changes. Now, television, again, can tell you what to do, but it doesn't have the power to tell you how to do it. Folks, this book is the mood elevator. It lifts your mood up when you open it. That's why every single day you should have a little time with this book. I call it my quiet time. You can call it whatever you want. Your inspirational time, your devotional time, your coffee time to see if you can actually make it, you know, through the day. But then open up this book and then allow a few moments to just connect with it. You don't have to do an hour. Take five minutes, ten minutes. Open it up. Listen to it. Allow it to speak to you. Talk back to God. A good verse for this uh, is in Psalm 119.14. This is what it says. You're my place of quiet retreat. I wait for your word to renew me. That's what this is all about, that it would renew your life. That God's word renews you. It encourages you. It gives you hope. This morning, if if you're discouraged and, and you've lost hope, It tells me one thing. I bet you haven't been in this book lately. Because if you were, you wouldn't feel discouraged. And you wouldn't feel hopeless. The more you get discouraged, folks, actually the reality is the more that you need to open this up. The more that you feel hopeless and helpless that it's more that you need to open up the hope of God into your life. That's why we have, uh, you know, different reading plans for you to have quiet time to connect with God one-on-one. It activates your faith. It elevates your mood. Last thing, it releases my potential. It releases my potential. Now, this is really important because only God, your creator, knows what your full potential is. Your parents don't know what your full potential is. Your wife doesn't know what your full potential. Your husband doesn't know your full potential. Your uh, friends don't know your full potential. Your family doesn't know your full potential. Your boss doesn't know your full potential, although sometimes they think it's a lot more than what is humanly possible. I get that. You don't even know your full potential. You don't know the greatness that is inside you. Some of you are filled with so many gifts and talents, and you're intelligent, and God created you for such a time as this in so many ways, and you're brilliant. And the problem is that none of that's been released. You see... The thing that I've found is that many people live for the expectations of others. They try to live for the approval of other people. They worry all the time about what other people are thinking. And what's happened when you get to that point, your life just becomes a series of tapes 
from your past that go on and on and on. And sometimes, even though people didn't mean to hurt you, they hurt you because of the things that they've said. And sometimes these are, these are hard things to get rid of. Recordings like, you can't do that. Why aren't you more like your brother? Why aren't you more like your sister? You're not good enough. You're not going to be like them. You're not worth much. You'll never amount to anything. And we're told these things and these recordings come and pretty soon we start believing them and it shapes who we are. And they're all lies, folks. All of those recordings are lies. And so for many of you, you don't even know what your potential is. You don't know what you're capable of. Only God and God alone knows what your potential is. And the way you learn about the potential in your life is when you open up this book and you go, wow, I could be this? Folks, I remember when I read that scripture in Joshua, all of a sudden I was like, I could be like Joshua. Like screaming in the house, I could be like Joshua. My wife's like, we need to get you to the loony bin, you know? But you've got potential. And only God can unlock all of those tapes and allow you to fulfill your potential. Only He can set you free. Why? Because He's got the truth. You see, John chapter 8, Jesus says this, If you continue in My Word, then you are truly disciples of Mine. And you will know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. It unlocks you. It liberates you. It will make you to be able to do things that you can't do under your own power. It'll set you free. That's why Jesus came, folks. Jesus didn't come to beat you over the head with a whole bunch of words. He came to set you free so that you could live in the fullest potential that only He knows about. He wants you to be free from fear. He wants you to be free from guilt. He wants you to be free from shame. He wants you to be free from all the worries in your life. But the thing is, knowing that and actually acting upon that are two different things. Jesus said this, Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you what? If you do them. You don't get blessed for the parts of the Bible that you just know. You get blessed by the parts of the Bible you what? You do. This week I received a a note from a seven-year-old here at our church. The family's been coming for about the last three or four months. And uh, she had this little note, and she wrote it to me. I'll uh, put it up on the side screens. Yeah, it is cute. And you might be able to read it, maybe not, but I'll read it for you. And it says, Thank you for the church. It changed my life. I love it so much. I come every Sunday from Jenna to Chris... Love, Jenna. Now, what's a seven-year-old saying when they write that down? What she's saying is that as I've learned more about God back in Jar Kids, and all of a sudden, I'm changed. And she says, all of a sudden, Mom's changed. 
And I know her mom. And her mom, about three months ago, had some real guilt in her life. And she's like, there's no way God could accept me. Today, she came right over at that table. And she accepted Jesus Christ as Lord. She didn't even know I had the note or that I was going to use it. And little Jenna says, well, I'm changed, and my mom's changed, and my dad's changing. Her dad works for the railroad company. Many times, he'll work until 5 in the morning. And he's right here on Sunday morning. Folks, today I was just thinking, you know, as I as I got this letter and as I was going to use it, I thought, you know, maybe some people right here are like Jenna. They just need to write a little note and say, God, I want my life changed. I want my family changed. I want my marriage changed. I want my world to be changed. I just want you to know, folks, you don't have the power to do it. I don't have the power to change my life. I only have the power to change my life because I read this book and then I really believe that God is going to do something that I can't do on my own. God's word is so clear. It says in Jeremiah, if you seek me, you will find me. God doesn't hide from you, folks. God is present right here. He's in the empty seats around you. He was here before you got here. He's been so proud. He's like, this is my kid. I see full potential in him. And the real question for you today is, are you going to follow the one who knows your full potential? Jesus went to the cross and he died upon it so that we could all be set free and that we could live abundant, full lives. And today we're going to be reminded of that as we share communion. There's tables that are around us. And I'll invite you to to go here in just a second to to tear off the piece of bread, dip it in, and, and eat. I was thinking about it today that, again, Maybe there's someone who's like Jenna who really wants change in their life. And today's the day. You've thought about it. You've talked about it. Well, today's the day to do it. And so I'm going to be standing at that same table where uh, Jenna's mom came this morning and gave her life to Christ. If you're at that point, today's your day. Today's your letter day, your smiley face day. Then I invite you to uh, to come now. Right now, what I'd like you to do is just take a couple of minutes, just you and God, connect silently, ask for forgiveness for anything that's separating you from God, any shame, guilt sin in your life, whatever that is. And just
just ask him for forgiveness and he'll give it to you. So let's spend a little quiet time right now with God and then I'll uh, kind of lead us in a prayer. So I'll just ask right now, Holy Spirit, whatever the things are that separate us from you, from each person in this place, would you reveal that to each of us right now, including myself? God, I want to thank you for being for me. For never walking away from me, never giving up on me. Even when I mess up, you still love me. And you see potential in me. God, all this stuff that has me stuck right now and holds me back and hinders my progression. I want to have you unlock my potential today. Release my potential. Set me free. I want to continue to read and grow in your word called the Bible. And for those of you who this is your day. You're ready to take that step of faith. I invite you to simply pray this prayer silently in your heart. Jesus Christ, come into my life. Point the right direction. I want to learn to love you, to trust you, to follow you.
Savior who um, takes the brokenness in our life and you uh, create it to be so beautiful. And God, I pray today that as people leave from this place, that they would have an energy that's beyond themselves to reach the full potential, God, that you have in their life and uh, that you would be glorified in the midst of that. So we pray that this would be done by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. Know that you're loved in this place. If you'd like prayer for anything, come on up. And if you're new, we have uh, the Get Connected table uh, over here, Guest Connections.